0: This is Brian Barnett. You're listening to The Last Symptom, and this is kind of a a special episode of the show. Uh, It's not one of the regular scheduled episodes. This is a, uh, I guess you can call it a special supplemental episode. Uh, But what I did was I went uh, into the woods on Friday night. So just a couple nights ago, I took my boys with me, my, my two dogs, Bradbury and Orson, and we live streamed from the woods, and that was a lot of fun. It was a marathon live stream session. So, that video is available on the official YouTube channel, uh, the official Last Symptom YouTube channel, if you want to view it. But what I thought I'd do is just include the audio of it here. Uh, why not? And I'm not going to edit anything out. So, you know, this is a this is just something you'd want to put on while you're doing things around the house or going on a, a road trip or whatever. It'll give you plenty to listen to. Some of the things probably without context because you won't have the visuals of me in the camera. But, it could be fun. So, I hope you enjoy it. It's about two hours long and you'll hear me scrounging for wood and stuff in the woods and trying to keep the fire going and there's a chat coming in uh, during this live stream so I'm reading what people are saying to me and I'm responding to those things and uh, it was was, like I say it was just a lot of fun and I got to address a lot of different topics you know briefly but pointedly and effectively I thought again if you want to see the video itself you'll have to go and view that on YouTube on the official The Last Symptom YouTube channel or I'll tell you another option And probably even a superior option is just to go over to thelastsymptom.com and look in the video tab. The video will be available there, too. So I hope you all are having a great weekend. Enjoy this special supplemental show of The Last Symptom. As this fire builds, we'll be able to see each other a little bit better. For everybody who just got in here, uh, the idea, you know, I just, I really just got here. I'm just getting this fire going and getting things kind of set up. But I thought once we get more people in here, maybe we could just get a conversation. We could do like a a question and answer type thing, if that sounds all right to you folks. Well, winter's in full swing here, too. It's about 33 degrees where I'm at right now. I just got my jacket off because I'm working. I'm pretty warm. Thirty-three Fahrenheit, by the way. Oh yeah, you got snow. Well, we're supposed to perhaps get snow tonight, which is one of the reasons why I decided to come out here. I've got a uh, tarp. I'm just going to pitch a tarp right behind where the, I got the camera sitting right now, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Let me do some. Uh, let me do some chores here. I got two dogs, Bradbury and Orson. Uh, Yes, I do have a favorite season. This is my favorite season. Winter. Food doesn't spoil. There's no snakes. Sasquatch is hibernating. And uh, I just like it. It's peaceful. Bradbury's right here. Braddy, you're popular tonight, buddy. I got to kind of keep moving because it's cold. Instead of, it's really, stay safe, enjoy the fire, Brian. I got to get back to work. Oh, Amy, stole you away from work. Thank you. Hello, Waleska. Oh, it's still light where joy is. Uh, I haven't even got to start having a good time yet. I just promised everybody that if I had a signal, I'd bring you guys out here. And so I'm holding up my end of the bargain. What I'm hoping to do is get relaxed, get my bourbon out, get next to the fire, and then answer some of your all questions. If you guys got any questions, this is just an opportunity for those who don't usually get to talk to me to uh, do it in a fun setting. Can you guys hear me all right? Seems like it takes the messages a little bit to come through. Like you guys are hearing me on a delay or something like that. Hi, Jade. Okay, good. I, I really can't believe it. I don't think I, they must have put a tower somewhere, you know, in the vicinity because I don't think I've ever had a phone signal out here. Hi, Donna. See how that fire's going, doing? You're up, ready? Here's the fire. Uh, you know what? We can. Uh, I can worry about my shelter later. I'm gonna sit down with you guys next to the fire here and see what kind of questions you guys got for me. I've never done anything like this before, so I don't know what I'm doing. But I hear it's all the rage. Boy, I kind of envy these guys who've been doing this for 10 years and got the whole thing down, because I sure don't. How you doing? How you doing? Fire's nice, ain't it? It'll get even better as those co- as that coal bed grows. We'll be able to throw anything on there. That's right. So the way I got to do this is I have to have the phone close enough where I can read what you guys are saying. But uh, if you got any questions for me, Richard, hello. If you guys got any questions for me, go ahead and hit me. I'll try to answer them as I as I work around the fire here. Come on over here. Yeah, come on. It's cold out there, buddy. You gotta sit over here with us. Sit down. These guys aren't made for the winter. They're not made for the cold. So uh, one of them's going to have to sleep under my sleeping bag with me, and, of course, that will keep me comfortable. But I brought uh, some other things to keep whoever gets left out uh, nice and warm as well. There you go. I think I could probably just sleep like this pretty comfortable. (laughs) I might not even put up my shelter tonight. I'm not sure how, what the uh, chance of snow is. But with these two fellers right here with me. There you go. There you go. That's nice, ain't it? I think these guys want to see you. Isidra, dream life. <laughs> I don't know, it's getting pretty cold. <clears throat> Let's see what Leska has to say. How can I get motivation to do things? I'm not sure if I'm just lazy or what. It's hard to do anything I love without feeling. Hang on a second here. I'm feeling exhausted. You seem to be really motivated to do anything. Well, uh, you know, a while back I was talking about motivation. And uh, often, I'm not saying all the time, but often motivation comes down to whether or not we really believe a thing's possible. You know, if you you believe a thing is just impossible, or not even just impossible, if you think it's irrelevant then you really won't be able to find a motivation that is sustainable to do that thing. But, on the other hand, if you are convinced that you are not engaged in a pointless activity, I mean, if you really believe that that what you want to do is possible or that it's relevant, that it's really relevant... Uh, then that'll help you find the sustainable motivation because, you know, it's really not an issue about motivation, right? It's about motivation that's sustainable, right? I mean, I can can muster up the motivation to go on a 100-mile run. That motivation will wane, and I'll probably lose it after about the first two miles. So, uh, when we're talking about motivation, we're really talking about motivation that's sustainable, and in order for it to be sustainable, you have to believe that that you're that you're not involved in an irrelevant or a an impossible task and um, I like to talk about uh, pyramids. You know how they built the pyramids one block at a time <laughs> uh You know, so sometimes just getting started and just moving that one block into place, once it's there, you go, well, that wasn't too bad. Maybe I'll go ahead and move another one in there. So I hope that answers your question. You know, this past summer, I built a uh, privacy fence. I've never done that before in my life. So what I did was I said, uh, well, what I'll try to do is just that section, this section right here. We'll see how it goes. If it's, uh, too much work or if it's too hard or if I get in over my head I can always call somebody in but I can at least get started and try this one little bit here well by the time I did that one little bit I said well I know what I'm doing now <laughs> I might as well just finish the fence and so I did I finished a, a really uh massive privacy fence it was a lot of work but that's how I tackled it was just kind of like let's do this part first see how it goes Well, that wasn't too bad. So I'll do another little section, and then another little section. Let me throw some uh, fire on this wood, guys, and I'll come right back. By the way, I realized that I just said I'm gonna throw some fire on this wood. (laughs) <laughs> what I meant was I'm going to throw some wood on this fire. Orson, you want to sit on this mat over here, buddy? Okay. How does this work? It's not too bad, is it? I've been wanting to do something like this for a while. But I wasn't aware of the the issues that I would face. Hi, John. Melanie. Dina. Waleska noticed that I said I was going to put fire on the wood when I meant to say I'm going to put wood on the fire. Hi, Terry. Uh, all except for one. But yeah, most of the most of the bears should be asleep. All right. Well, I'm going to have some. Uh, bourbon here, so if that's an issue for you, uh, look the other way. If it's not an issue for you, join me. On this cold winter night out in the woods, I have watched other people do these, but I've never done it myself. We got nine people in here. Oh, you want a ghost story? All right, once upon a time, I was down in these woods, these very woods. I was trying to go to sleep, and I heard a noise. It sounded like a baby crying. Bradbury was with me, and he and I, we sat up like uh, scared chickens. From dead sleep, set us right up. And <laughs> the fire, haha, <laughs> not just the bourbon. Now, this is a true story, by the way. Sound like a baby woke us up right in the middle of the night, and we sat bolt upright in the middle of the dark woods. And I looked at Braddy, and he looked at me, <laughs> and uh, we were just trying to figure out what that was that we heard when we heard the sound of what sounded like a cocktail party like a room full of people at a, at a cocktail party chatting and laughing and you know you know just all the sounds mingled uh, jumbled together like that well that's what that sounded like and it sent chilled up my spine i didn't know what that was and th- so Braddy and I are sitting there in the dark, listening for it. <laughs> you think I'm making this up? This is a true story. And we could hear it way up in the dark woods, over the, over the holler. And then it started moving, and it moved way down into the woods. It it sounded like this ghostly cocktail party, full of people laughing and talking and just moving through the dark woods. It was so eerie. I mean, it really. Uh, Put the hairs up on the, on the back of my neck. And Braddy, even Bradbury, he's not scared of anything. He didn't know what to think about that. Uh, so as we listened to it move down around the woods... ...and kind of all around us, but, you know, at a distance... ...I finally figured out what it was. It was a, a pack of coyotes. Yeah, they sound like that. Ghostly. A whole big pack of coyotes. So those yotes were coming down through the woods... They sounded just like a big ghostly cocktail party full of people moving through the dark woods. Yeah, it was, it was spooky. Hey there, Nora. Was that a pretty good ghost story? You missed it, Nora. I just told the best ghost story of all time. Everybody was riveted. Well you know you guys know that I believe in God so I believe in spirits I do believe in the spirit world I don't uh, specifically believe in ghosts though uh yeah this is bourbon it it says Evan Williams but it's not Evan Williams it's a uh, i put a higher end bourbon in there I just used the i've been using these same two bottles uh for years just as a way to carry bourbon into the woods so I empty them out. And... <laughs> it's going to look like I'm crying, but I'm not. It's just that the smoke could blow right into my eyes here, and I'm too lazy to move everything. I did not bring any marshmallows, but I'll tell you what I did bring. I brought up, uh, taters and uh, some hamburger. I brought some eggs. Uh, let's see, what time is it? It's about 6.30. I was in such a hurry to get out here before it got too late. I forgot a lot of things. Forgot my headlamp. So we'll just we'll just jack his fire up. Let me catch up here for a second.
1: Just lay down. Just lay down.
0: Man, I'm going to wake up tomorrow. My eyes are going to be slits. You guys won't want to see me then. Let me see what you got here. Half past midnight. Where Donna's at. Well, I think you're five hours ahead of me. Thank you, Melanie. And very smart. Well, it depends on the day. I was just telling somebody earlier today that uh, my ability to sing, my ability to play the guitar, my ability to speak in English or Spanish, or in Pig Latin, or speak at all for that matter, depends really on the day. You know, good days and bad days. Mesquite. Uh... That's a Texas thing, ain't it? I could use some mesquite. How's Orson getting on with his training? He is doing all right. I mean, he's not. He doesn't move like a muscle or anything like that. You know, like Bradbury does. But Bradbury's got a long time with me. But he's learning. He's, you know, the problem is, is that he's younger than he looks. So he's he's a bigger dog. He grew up real big. And so it's easy for me to forget that I'm dealing with a baby. So I try not to forget, you know, his age. Well it's true, you guys know what that's like. Some days the brain seems to work and other times it don't. Writing. Writing is like that for me too. You know, I I have good intentions to sit down and write a wonderful article and uh and sometimes i just can't pull it all together other times it just kind of flows out of me like like it was meant to be well oh, that's right helen yeah i've been i've been kind of keeping tabs on you i'm i'm happy to have you around all right Nora, you be safe i had to do this because somebody Somebody bet me that I wouldn't when I suggested it earlier. They said, I bet you won't. I said, well, we'll see about that. Well, you know, let me say something about, Helen, what you just said about you never heard anybody be so honest before. Every once in a while, a person will say to me, uh, you know, you're just so courageous. You're just so courageous for the things you talk about. You know... Courage is when you're scared to death and you do something. Um, and or, or when you're ashamed of something and you say it anyway, right? Nothing I talk about, there's no reason for anything I talk about for me to be ashamed about any of that stuff. So it, it's not really courage because uh, courage would imply that it, it's embarrassing or it's shameful and so when I share the things I do, uh, that's just not the that's just not the perspective I'm coming from. I don't come from the perspective that the things I talk about are shameful or embarrassing. So it's not really a courage thing, it's just a, you know, why, why not talk about it? <laughs> it's like, you're courageous for talking about the weather. Why, why is, does that take courage if there's nothing shameful about talking about the weather? Well, here's, the pro- here's the problem with what you just said, Helen. Shame, by its very definition, is feeling bad about oneself. And it's really insidious shame because it makes us believe we're, we feel bad about something we've done when really it's we feel bad about ourselves. So shame is, is very tricky. Uh, people should never feel shameful about themselves. We should recognize that some of the things we do are shameful, right? Uh, what does shameful mean? It just means that it's devoid of value. So it's impossible. Well, let's say uh, first of all, it's impossible for us to be shameful, and it's never constructive. And it's never constructive for us to feel shameful. It is constructive to recognize that some of the things we do are shameful. But that's not feeling shame shame ourselves. That's just recognizing that those things are shameful. Devoid of value. Yeah. Talk about, Donna says, can you talk about how other people can't make you feel a thing? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, in everyday talk, we say... Man, you made me mad. But is that really what's happening? Did, did the other person really make you mad? So the reality of what's going on is that you, you took what the person said or did and you used it to make yourself mad. That's really what's happening. So it's true that in everyday speech we talk like that. You made me mad. Uh, boy, you made me sad. Uh, but the reality, the reality of what is happening is not that. Nobody makes you mad. You make yourself mad. And if you want to test that, watch me say something uh, to one person, and they, they laugh. It's, to, to them, it's humorous. And watch me turn around and say that exact same thing to an entirely different person and watch them get very upset. It's not because the thing I said made them mad. It's because from their perspective or their life experience or whatever, they have taken what I've said and used it to make themselves mad. Oh, you got a therapist who's always late, but I bet he doesn't tolerate that from you, does he? I think that I think that anybody you're paying, you know, $200 to for an hour should be on time. I'll tell you, there have been times with the, uh, just the consultations that I do with people where extenuating circumstances have happened. Typically it's been because the, uh, the app that I use for scheduling or whatever um, doesn't work or it doesn't alert me. And um, I have ended up being late for uh, people's appointments, but my goodness, I feel terrible every time it happens. Good night, Melanie. Enjoy supper or dinner. You know, when I was growing up, dinner for us was was lunch. So we had breakfast, dinner, and supper. But you don't hear that too much no more. Uh, But I still catch myself calling Uh, what most people call lunch I call supper or dinner sorry I don't think he wants to be my therapist anymore (laughs) well beware of believing that you have the ability to read minds right so we don't we can't read minds I'm talking to Nora about her therapist we can't read minds, so when we doubt something or we're curious about something or we wonder something, the, the easiest thing to do is just to come out right and uh, point-blank ask a person. Let me ask you a question. You know, this would be like you talking to your therapist. Let me ask you a, a direct question. Um, are you having issues with continuing to be my therapist? And then let them answer. What, whatever they answer, you know, that's, that's the answer. We get into trouble when we think that we can read people's intentions and stuff like that. We don't have access to those things. And so the only way we can really know them is if we ask. Was that helpful, Donna? I hope so. Breakfast, dinner, and tea. Breakfast, dinner, and tea. So no supper. Helen, where are you at in the world? Whereabouts? I mean, don't give me your street address or anything. That wind has cut down a little bit. That's been nice. Because now I can feel the heat from the fire. Tea is supper. Oh, okay. Elizabeth. Ruined a friendship with my favorite person. By texting too much. All right. I don't believe in favorite people. I think that's a, a conjured term that the professional community come up with for saying people we like or admire. And uh, like it's an abnormal thing to like or admire people. Don't we all have people that we like and admire? Near border of Scotland, oh, Northeast England. I am a big fan of England and Scotland. My vacation for a while in uh, Scotland. Constant struggle here to get this. About to burn my tush. Alright, well, I'm going to take you guys with me to get some wood. Donald's in the sideway right. I'll tell you what I'm gonna do guys I'm gonna uh I'm gonna close down here for a minute what I want to do is I want to get this fire really up and bright and then I'll come back on how's that sound to y'all yeah I think you should focus on getting better <laughs> I think focusing on getting better is the priority over everything else hi Lindsay I'm uh logging off here I'll come right back folks I just want to get this fire built up get settled in a little bit Amy. Hi, Lake. Do I really call you Lake? Let me show you guys the fire. Mm-hmm. Now I got a fire going. You know, I haven't listened to the early episodes for <laughs> three years now. But every once in a while I'll talk to somebody and they'll say, Hey, remember when you said this? And I say, yeah. Yeah, I, I do now. I can't find season one and two, so I started three. Well, three is probably the best because it's the latest. But if you want seasons one and two, got to listen from uh, Podbean. Most of the podcast platforms will uh, start losing the earliest episodes, the more episodes that you get in the bank. But yeah, I think if you look up lastsymptom.podbean, you will get the entire bank of all of the episodes. Lynn, I'm super camera shot too. Welcome back, Elizabeth. What kind of coping skills should I use? You don't use coping skills. You, you, you get rid of the borderline personality disorder. You do that, then you don't need coping skills. Helen, well, it's true, though. You likened it to watching a sad film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it feels good for me to uh, listen to sad songs sometimes and to feel sad. It feels good, believe it or not, to think back to uh, people that I'll never see again and and get sad about it. So it's like poetry, you know. Uh, Poetry is beautiful sometimes because it's sad. Irish Ale. That's uh, an acceptable, that's an acceptable drink. I got turned on it to uh, Hoppy Ales this past summer. Coming back from a backpacking trip, a friend of mine said, he, he had a, uh, what do you call those uh, coolers? Those uh, really expensive coolers. He had one of those in the back of his truck and he says, uh, here, You want an ice cold beer? This is when we could just come out of a, like a five day backpacking trip right off the mountain. And at first I said, nah, nah, he said, and then he says, well, okay. He throws it back into the cooler there. And then as I got thinking about it, I thought, I think I will take one of those beers. And I did. And it was the best beer I think I ever had in my life. Yeti. Yeah, that's, that's it, Penny. Hey, welcome in, Penny. Here's the fire, Penny. It took me a while, but I got it and got it going. How do I get rid of my borderline personality disorder, Elizabeth? You know, you're you're fresh here, um, and I guess what I need to tell you is that this is a process. So uh, everybody comes in wanting to be rid of this like tomorrow, but it's not going to work like that. You know, to take your time, indulge on the uh, episodes of the Last Symptom podcast take your time, read the articles that I've written and, you know, just as important as reading them is then spending uh, some time afterwards, letting those things bounce around in your head and trying to figure out exactly, you know, the nuances and the subtleties of what it is I'm I'm trying to tell you. It will be the accumulation of insights that let you get rid of borderline personality disorder and that does not happen overnight. So... I know that everybody wants the, the secret pill. And if you go to a Barnes & Noble or you go to any bookstore, you will find lots of books promising you the magic pill. But because my interest is in you genuinely ridding yourself of this disorder, I have to be honest with you and tell you it's, it's going to be a process that results Uh, from the accumulation of many, many insights. It's just like trying to learn um, music theory, you know? I like to use music analogies a lot. But uh, 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 think of it like learning music theory, right? I I was looking on YouTube the other day and I saw a uh, video just popped up, it was kind of like recommended to me, about music theory. It said music theory in 30 minutes. And the guy was like, first you do this, and then you do this, and then it involves this, and then it involves this, and you you just can't absorb all that. And he really, in 30 minutes, couldn't cover everything. So people who really understand music theory, uh, they understand it intuitively and thoroughly, comprehensively, and cohesively. And the reason they do is because they spend a lot of time reading about it, thinking about it, having these little bing-bang insights that accumulate yeah amy says music theory takes years so but you know it's that's the thing you know it's uh it's no different than learning music theory no you don't have to read you don't have to pay to read my articles you don't have to pay to listen to my podcast episodes you don't have to pay to participate on the facebook group and to take advantage of all the library conversations we've had there, uh, the only thing that I charge for, uh, and the only reason, and the only reason I charge for those things is because it supports my ability to do this work. But the only, well, actually, there's two things I charge for: my time and my pre-recorded course. So, if you want to pay for my time, you can have a one-on-one conversation with me, and, and basically you're just paying for my time. Or you can have a one-on-one Zoom meeting with me, and once again, you're just paying for my time, really. And then the uh, the course that I develop, I do charge for that for those who can afford it, uh, because I put a lot of time and energy and a lot of heart into it. Uh, and, uh, and so it's an investment that I've made and I like to see other people make that investment for themselves too. Instead, you know, if I just gave it away, it would not be valued the way that I think it should be. Yeah, the puck. you know, there's <laughs> most people who know me know that for two years uh, I didn't charge anything. So I was doing it entirely on my own dime and on my own time and I was working a, a job at the same time so uh, people have made great strides listening to my podcast and nothing else Amy says that theory is like BPD I like how she just calls it theory she doesn't call it mu- she doesn't call it music theory she's too cool for that she just calls it theory it's like BPD in the sense that if you don't start with the basics the rest won't make sense. Beautiful. Beautiful analogy there. Yeah. I agree. By the way, do you know, speaking of Amy just not referring to music theory as music theory, but just as theory, showing her intimate relationship with music, uh, did you know that the Grand Canyon is not the Grand Canyon? It's just Grand Canyon. Talking to a ranger before I hike down to the bottom. Oh, every once in a while I get a big old wolf of that smoke, and it's a real treat. I'll tell you, <laughs> right in the face. Was telling everybody earlier, I'm gonna. Oh, I can't see the fire. Yeah, I know it's a, it's an issue. The light, the lighting out here is an issue, and not getting smoke in the face is an issue and setting up so that you guys can see me what's the course details the course details well <clears throat> i just did four episodes of the last symptom podcast on the course and there's a uh, a free i think it's a 30 minute preview of the course on the website so it entails, yeah. yeah, the course entails all of the fundamentals that you need to know in order to do the rest of the work on your own. If you take the fundamentals course and you really uh, learn the information, which is not hard, you know, you just sit back and watch me talk. And it's, a, it's kind of a visual PowerPoint presentation. So, you know, it's a good idea to take notes and that sort of thing, but if you do take the course, you get access to it for seven months, so there's time to go through it several times if you want to. And then, uh, you know, it's like two weeks. It's it's ten days, three hours a day for ten days. And then by the end of it, you should have a very solid foundation of insights that are necessary for you to just keep layering on, afterwards, in your own efforts toward your recovery. You know, the hardest part are the foundational stuff. Like Amy said earlier, you gotta get started right. And that's what this course does. It, it allows you to lay down a solid foundation of accurate insights that probably you've lived your entire life not even being aware of. But once you got them, uh, it, it'll change everything. It'll change how you look at everything. It'll change your objectives. Uh, It'll it'll change uh, the way you go about achieving those objectives. It is a very nice course. Amy Gibby took the course. She's here with us right now. She took the live course, and then she went through the recorded course. And she liked it. I did not bring my guitar. I had my hands full with two pups. I had this great elaborate thing I thought I was going to do for you folks, like cook and all that stuff. I am going to cook, but that's a whole... I can't see what you... You know, there's no way for me to see what you guys are saying. There's no way for me to have a conversation with you if I'm cooking or doing work here around the fire. Penny is sitting by a fireplace drinking hot chocolate. That sounds pretty good. Lindsay's hanging out with her kiddos and getting ready to put them to sleep. You know, for everybody who thinks that I play the guitar well, I don't. (laughs) And anybody who knows music knows that's the truth. But I don't play, you know, because I want to be the next Eric Clapton or anything like that. I play uh, for my own enjoyment and to uh, practice singing, to be honest with you. And if you want to know the truth, the guitar is not my preferred instrument. My preferred instrument is the piano. Uh, And I play the piano by ear. So again, anybody who knows how to play the piano watching me play the piano would never be impressed at all. But, but again, I, I just enjoy it. And I don't have the best singing voice either, but neither did uh, John Lennon for that matter. So I don't have to have a great voice. I just have to enjoy it. And I enjoy, you know, making small improvements and learning different techniques on my own, discovering these techniques on my own for uh, singing and improving my singing voice. I think people like that you're authentic in what you're doing, like the dancing you did. Yeah. Uh, I think that style of uh, dancing is sexy. It's just very sexy. And when I hear that type of music and uh, I see uh, people dancing to that type of music, it it gets me going. It turns me on. I like it. It Makes me feel sensual and sexy. That's another thing. I'm not a good dancer. But I enjoy it. Nat, Natalie, is doing laundry watching me and AGT, what is AGT? Americans got talent. Ah, I figured that out. Americans got talent. While crafting. What are you crafting? I'll show you the setup I got. Thank you, Lindsay. I appreciate that. I don't know if you folks have noticed, but I've been trying to do some more personal, personable stuff with yinz. And here... See that? And that's Orson. And there's Bradbury. And he's shivering, so I gotta go put my coat on him. But as soon as I do, he'll kick it off. And that's just the way he is. But I need to I need to go cover him up so he's not freezing to death. Hang on a second. I'll tell you what, these boys right now are a handful because there's some jealousy thing going on. You go, hey, go lay down, go lay down, go lay down, go lay down. There's a jealousy, jealousy thing going on between them and, uh, you know, normally that would not be such a big problem, but when it's 30 degrees out here and we're all trying to stay warm, uh, There's a problem because everybody wants to be close to me, but they don't want to be close to each other. And this just started. Oh, Natalie's working on jewelry. That's nice. My mentor, Dave Selvage, the the Cherokee Indian you hear me talk about, was big into uh, jewelry craft. Hello, Joy. So, Lindsay asks, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Interesting question. Well, I'd like to be alive in 10 years. Uh, you know, you, you kind of put me on the spot. I, I don't really have a grand plan. <laughs> Joyce says, how did I know you were here? A note has come up for me that said that you were here. Whew, this fire's putting off some good heat. It's 30 degrees out here and I'm in a, I'm just in a shirt, I don't even have a jacket on, but I'm sitting close to this fire, there's no wind, it's nice. This is really nice. Let's see if I can... The perfect fire is a balance of space and oxygen. So, it's kind of like finding a balance where there's just enough space, but not too much space, because if you open up too much space, fire dies down. If you pack it in too tight, the fire dies down. But if you crack it and open it just strategically like, you get a perfect fire. It's an art. Um, Let's get back to where do I think I'm going to be in 10 years. I'd like to be alive and I'd like to be smarter than I am today. I hopefully will have made some new mistakes and regrets. Uh, some of them very rotten. And uh, you know, I just want to, I just want to live a full life. Want to go into, want to go into the end of it, skidding sideways and screaming, uh, hooting and hollering. I have a tradition. My daughter loves this. When I go through a tunnel, you know, like a mountain tunnel. Uh, Windows go down and it's all woo woo. That's how I want to go into the end of life, uh, kind of scooching in sideways and hooting and hollering. That's what about why I became a dad, by the way. For people who are not parents, it's that's fine. I never wanted to be a parent, but what changed my mind was I thought, do I really want to live my whole life and miss out on this fundamental uh, human experience? That, that that has no comparison and I decided that I did not want to go through life and not have that experience <laughs> beating those boys off with a stick because of my teenage daughter yeah Well Donna I think that by the time that my daughter is a teenager that I will have created or let's say guided her, to a place where I will trust her judgment on these things, and uh, I want to be reasonable about it. It'll break my heart because it means she's growing up, but and I will, I will believe me. If there's anybody who can teach my daughter about uh, the rotten ploys of teenage boys, it's it's this guy right here because I I'm the master. None of those boys will be able to get anything by by her, hopefully. Uh, Joy ran into her daughter's boyfriend on her walk. Yeah, it's a normal part of life. Young love. You know, it was a, a feverish, happy time for me to uh, discover or, you know, to get to the age where love or, you know, that version of, of love is part of your life it's just very feverish and just wonderful you know i remember i remember being a teenager and uh just squeezing my pillows in my bedroom and imagining that they were female breasts i just it was just you know you get to that age and it's just what you think about it's it's totally natural nothing embarrassing or abnormal about it at all And uh, I remember I was, I woke up one morning, and I was uh, pleasuring myself in my bedroom. I was probably 16 or 17. Thought everybody else was asleep, and my mom come right in to uh, grab my laundry or something. And there I was just... (laughs) There's just uh what do you do I I flipped over and pretended like I was asleep but I you know there was I knew <laughs> that I'd been caught red-handed and uh, mom closed the door pretty quick and we, we never talked about it hmm Penny saw a wolf last week. when I used to go to um, Gatlinburg, Tennessee, with my mentor, Dave Selvage, who is a Cherokee Indian. And if you folks ever wonder why I say American Indian instead of Native American, it's because he personally told me that that was his preferred terminology for the American Indian. And I said, well, why do you like American Indian better than Native American? And uh, I can't remember the reason he gave me, but very specifically, he told me that his preferred Terminology for uh, for his, you know, race is American Indian. So to honor him, no matter how many people complain that I say American Indian instead of Native American, I take it from a an American Indian <laughs> as permission to use the terminology that he taught me to use. So that's why I use that term. But anyway, I was going to tell uh, Penny. Is that vacationing in the Smokies? uh, There was an art gallery that was called White Wolf Art Gallery there in Gatlinburg, and they had a wolf in the gallery. And so when you went in to view the artwork and everything, uh, you're right there next to that wolf. He would just kind of mosey about the the art thing. Lynn, I can't. Lynn, what are you replying to when you say so to speak? I have a feeling it's got something to do with those stories I just told about. Getting caught under the—I bl- was under the blankets, so that's that's that. She uh, she didn't catch she didn't get a whole visual. I I was doing it under the blankets, but you know the I was uh I was bouncing those blankets pretty good <laughs> when my mom walked in. Oh man, I could have died. Uh, Donna says that's her greatest fear: walking into her son's better catching it well you know there's a solution to that you just treat them like human beings you know uh, you you knock on the door before you go in i do that to my daughter if she's five uh, because i want to condition her to know that i i perceive her as a person with her own sense of privacy and things like that a red-handed said. <laughs> oh well uh yeah it wasn't uh it might have been red. I wasn't using anything to, to help it along. <laughs> Gotta work with what you got first thing in the morning <laughs> when you wake up in bed and you're just lying there with uh, the, re- the last remaining bits of a, dr- of a dream floating around in your head. You don't wanna get up and you know do all this preparation because you'll lose the moment. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to grab some uh, firewood to get this thing kind of juiced up a little bit. Uh, I'll leave you on here. I'll be right back. All right? All right. That thing will kick up here in a minute. You know, somebody asked earlier when I was doing this the first time. Because uh, uh, Penny asked why I'm not using my headlamp. I walked out the door without it. That's why ridiculous. I I was trying to get out the door because this was kind of a spontaneous thing that I come up with tonight. and uh, So I threw a bunch of stuff in my pack and ran out the door. And uh, I didn't realize that I'd forgotten my headlamp until I got out here. Some people asked me earlier when I was doing this first time uh, where I'm at. Uh, I'm on my my property so the woods that you guys hear me always talking about where I grew up that's where I'm at I own a few acres out here and when I was about 19 or 20 uh, yeah right around there my grandpa was dying he said you go out there you pick you pick out a few acres for yourself so out of 180 acres I went deep, deep into the woods, probably where I'll never be able to run water or any kind of thing like that because it would be too expensive, but uh, it's mine, and it's out here in the middle of nowhere, and every once in a while, I get my buddies out, and we come out to uh, just camp out here. You know, there's a stream runs by, nearby. I used to drink out of that stream when I was a kid, so there's water. Uh, it's just woods. It's just pure woods, Wilderness. Uh, Let me see here. Uh, Donna says, do you remember telling that story about your grandpa's high helper? Well, I do now. I'd forgotten it. Um, Yeah, she asked me if I wanted to come into her apartment. And I said, yes, I do. And, uh, you know, I was pretty naive at that time. I I was either 17 or 19 when I lost my virginity. And uh, I had always had reservations about following through with something like that so what my plan was was to go in and just get a taste right just get a taste Uh, but she was so delicious that uh, I completely uh, you know I just I lost my mind to the moment and I got no regrets about that Uh, in four years I have three teenage boys in my house that's a uh, yeah hi Daryl nice to have you here tonight It's like 30 degrees but right here by the fire <laughs> uh, not a lot of wind and the heat's just coming off it's real nice yeah she was a lot older she was uh she was 35 and I was 17 or 19 and I, I but I really couldn't enjoy myself fully because I kept thinking like my grandpa's gonna show up or somebody's gonna show up and I'm gonna get caught like right in the act of this. And it was embarrassing because um well, you know, how graphic do you guys want to get? She (laughs) she takes me into her apartment and she disappears into another. She says, Just kinda you want to look around? I said, sure. And she disappears into another room and she comes back. Uh, wearing only a robe, but nothing under the robe, and the robe is open, and uh, you know, I, I just about uh, lost it right there. And I, I was in a fever. I was like in a euphoric fever, uh, just drunk on her beauty and the the thrill of the moment. You know, the flirtiness and the kind of the the, the buildup of this moment. We went into her bedroom. And she was on her back. And I tried to use my hand to, you know, to please her. And it was, in thinking back to it now, there was just no technique to it at all. Basically, I was doing this. (laughs) I just thought, that's all you do. That's all it takes. And, uh... She was very gracious about it. You know, she kind of showed me what to do. And then when I, uh, you know, went... I'm trying to tell this story without uh, being too uh, classless about it. But when I finally penetrated her, I mean, I I came instantly. But I thought, I can't let her know that I came instantly. I have to pretend like I did not and that I can still that uh, I'm still fully in the game here. So I gave the old college try to keep going, but um, she realized pretty soon what had happened and she and again, she was very kind about it. Uh, she took me out and went into, she went into the bathroom and she came come out with a warm uh, rag and she handed it to me and she because I had just pulled up my pants, I'd pulled on my clothes like right away. I was ready to get out of there because yeah, I just I didn't know what to do. And uh, she handed me the rag with kind of a wry smile on her face. And she says, "Um, here, you you might need this. And uh, I didn't know what she meant by that. I washed my face off with it. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it wasn't until years later I realized that she was trying to help me clean myself off. But (laughs) that's the true story. My brother and I were out here one time, there's a, uh, a bare field out, weirdly, in the middle of the woods that you can just, uh, you're walking through like thick woods and you just come to this field. And he and I were out there one night, this enormous, enormous uh, meteor streaked across the sky. And it was so bright, it cast, it made the night, the middle of the night, look like broad daylight. And it cast a shadow off of us. And that shadow, as the uh, meteor passed over us, that shadow, I watched the, my brother's shadow go like this. With the the meteor passing overhead. It was amazing. Let's see here. Yeah, Carol, the fire's going good right now. It, uh, it's been taking a little bit of attention tonight. Things are a little bit wet out here. So I've had to, you guys know what fat wood is? That's what I brought out here to get a fire going, fat wood. It's wood that is impregnated with, uh, oh, what's it called? A resin. And uh, the resin burns extra hot and extra long. So Nora talked to her therapist and told him, I don't like how he's always late. I think it went well. Yeah, good. Good for you for standing up for yourself. Remember, you can always express yourself honestly and openly. As long as you do it in a calm, assertive way and with no intent to offend. That's, those are the secret ingredients to good communication calm assertively, and never with the intent to offend. So even when I speak very bluntly to people on the group, uh, you may say, wow, he's angry. Uh, I'm not angry, but I'm speaking directly. I'm not softening anything. And my intent for saying it is not to offend. My intent is to correct or to get the response that I feel like that person needs. You know, sometimes being very kind about a thing just enables a person. So sometimes what they need is,
1: hey,
0: wake up, wake up. What are you doing? That's foolish. So I use both speaking methods depending on what I feel like the person I'm talking to needs for, you know, really for the recovery. So, but very good, Nora, for standing up for yourself, expressing yourself. Edgar, welcome to the group. Penny, when you said Bearfield, I thought you said Bearfield. Bearfield, Bearfield. I, I reckon I did. Same th- same pronunciation, right? Uh, isn't Fatwood cheating? <laughs> uh, not. You know, I didn't. What do you want me to do? Rub two sticks together? I was trying to get you guys in on this as soon as I could. On another day, I'll show you how to start a fire using a uh, a more traditional method. Fatwood is traditional, by the way. And if I walk through these woods tomorrow, I could find my own fatwood. This is kind of fun, don't you think? I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I've been trying to do since the new year, and right before the new year, uh, about the time that I start that I did that video on the beach, uh, I've been trying to do some more spontaneous type videos because I don't want everything to always be so formal and scripted. So I thought that if you guys could get to know me in kind of a non-scripted way and kind of in, uh, follow me along on some of the things that I'm doing that that might be nice. What, I'm kind of curious about what you guys have thought about it. Somebody mentioned earlier that my, my dance in the reggaeton. The Another reason why I love the woods so much in the wintertime is because a fire never feels so good as it does in the middle of the pitch dark woods in the wintertime. You, know, you, you can have a fire in the summertime, but it don't. It's not as exquisite. It's like uh, it's like a wood stove. A, you know, a wood stove never feels so exquisite than when you wake up cold in the morning, and then you go and stand by it. It's it's the it's kind of the, the mild suffering combined with the exquisiteness of the reward of the fire. Uh, There's lots of things like that, you know. Penny's enjoying hot chocolate tonight. Now, if she'd go outside, get a chill, and then come in and have the hot chocolate, the hot chocolate would not just be hot chocolate. It would be hot chocolate uh, emphasized or, you know. Thank you, Carol. I appreciate you saying that. I sure am a human. And I'm just a normal guy. I'm just a regular guy. I feel kinda of bad for Braddy. I put a I drape my coat over him and he gets up and knocks it off. I invite him over here, he tries to run Orson off. So he's just over there shivering. Uh Braddy and I traditionally have this method for sleeping in the woods in the wintertime where I zip my sleeping bag. It's a down sleeping bag. Goose down. And I drape it over us like a blanket and he sleeps down between my legs. Um, And I've never been on anything like this with him and Orson at the same time. So it's going to be, uh, I'm going to have to come up with some kind of solution. That's another, that's another thing I love about winter, being in the woods in the winter time. It's so quiet. There's there's nothing. It's like I'm the only thing alive out here, me and you. Carol, if you think you're old, i got a challenge for you. In 10 years, I want you to think back to tonight when you said you're old, and then I want you to evaluate if you feel the same way. And then I want you to wait another 10 years. And evaluate again if you were old when you reevaluated if you were old the first time. I think what you'll find is that it's all context. How often do I witness a meteor shower? Every fall, right before school starts, there's a meteor shower. It's the pers—I can't pronounce it, but I think it's called persoid or Perseid or, or something like that. Meteor shower. Happens every fall. And one night, my brother and I, we slept out. And uh, on the night of the uh, peak of that meteor shower, and we counted over a 100 meteors within an hour between the two of us. Just lay on your back, look up at the sky, and you can count tons of meteors. I forgot to tell you guys, you remember on the episode of the podcast when I was talking about Uh, how I took my daughter out into the yard and and camped with her. And I started telling her about the uh, International Space Station. The thing I left out of that show is that as I'm telling her about the floating turds, and we were lying there in the tent looking up at the sky, and as I was telling her about it, the International Space Station came zipping by across the sky. And I said, look up there. You see that? That's the International Space Station. There's people on there. And uh, it just blew her mind. It blew her little mind. But that was cool. And it was total coincidence that it zipped by um, right when we were lying in the backyard and I was telling her about it. Hi, Heather. So nice to have you here tonight with us. I'm in the woods here next to a fire. And I've just kind of been chatting people up tonight. And now I can't find my booze. Hi, Emma. Glad to have you back. There we go. Tell you what, I'm gonna grab some wood, throw it on the fire. I'll be right back. You guys mingle. <sighs> Let me catch up with you guys. Thank you, Emma. I hope you're enjoying your night too. How could you tell us the space station? Because it It's brighter than a satellite. There's nothing else like it in the sky. And it's just solid. It doesn't blink or anything like that. It just looks like a star, a bright, it it looks like a bright planet zipping across the sky. Satellites also look like planets. Well, the the way you can tell the difference between a star and a planet is that a star twinkles and a planet does not. Because a star is creating its own light, a planet is reflecting light. So it's like our moon, right? It doesn't twinkle. So when you look up into a sky, into the sky, and you see a what you think is a star, but it does, it's not twinkling, yeah, that's a planet. Well, satellites are like that too. They're not flashing out their own light. They're reflecting the light of the sun. So. Uh, when you see the satellite go across, you're seeing it reflecting sunlight. And uh, satellites are kind of like little tiny, little tiny dots. And the space station is kind of like a, a planet. It looks like a little bit. It's a little bit bigger. Heather just got home. She started a fire. I'll tell you, I'm I'm pretty proud of uh, Orson tonight because apparently there is something here in the woods with us. I don't know what it is. It's probably a deer, or maybe it's a yote. Braddy, at 11 years old, doesn't even care. But Orson's all over it. He's, he's ready to go to battle. So I feel very safe. And I'm very proud of him for doing his duty. There, that fire's starting to kick up again now. Boy, I tell you, it feels good. There ain't nothing like a fire after you've been cold. Like I say, it's it's the coldness that makes the fire that much more enjoyable. And also, dog's warm body against me. Orson's just saddled up next to me here. He's got his got his whole side next to me, and I can feel his body heat. Mmm, good, it's good. You hear? Him? But heat, there's something out here. There's an animal out here that he can sense that I can't see, I can't hear. And, I mean, I've I've looked all over the place with my flashlight, and my flashlight's got a lot of throw. I don't see any, the you know, the reflection of any eyes, nothing like that. I hear no sound, and yet he can sense that something is around us. Now Braddy's getting out. You guys, you might get to see me wrestle a bear here. Get ready, here we go. I'm kidding, There's, the bears are all hibernating. I think it's probably a deer or something or a coyote, uh, might be a possum. Hope it's not a snake. Uh, if it's a snake, it is a new breed of snake because I don't know of any snake. That could even think about moving in these temperatures. It, it's cold out here. It, it's literally freezing. It was, you know, it was thirty-three Fahrenheit when I come out here, and it's, you know, it's surely dropped since then. So thirty-two Fahrenheit is freezing. If I go down here to the creek or the stream, that water's mm-hmm. starting to freeze right now. I, I guarantee it. But the nice thing is that because there's no wind. Uh, Once this fire kicks up, the heat just comes back at me. It's real nice. Very, very nice. Think of that. We don't have many in the UK. We do. We've got here. We've got timber rattlesnakes and copperheads. They're both deadly poisonous, but they're not something I have to worry about tonight. You just got to learn to trust me, buddy. You know, you're like you're like an emotionally unhealthy person. You want to do it your way, <laughs> even though uh, if you just trust me, you'd be a lot more comfortable and happy. Uh, I'm drinking bourbon. I'm trying to think of what kind of bourbon I'm drinking. <clears throat> it's in a, it's in an Evan Williams bottle, but this it's not Evan Williams. I just I've been using these bottles for years, these same bottles <clears throat> for years because they're plastic, and uh, I just transfer other bourbon into it to take with me on these sorts of excursions. So it's it's some kind of Kentucky bourbon. Just lay down. Lie down. You want to be comfortable? You want to be warm? Just lie down. Trust me. Trust me. This, this is going to make it into the podcast. This analogy right here. My dog you know, freezing to death and me trying to help him get warm but him fighting against it can you talk a bit more about the new platform you want to try out oh Uh, for a while it would be an addition to Facebook until I feel like the numbers have risen enough to justify getting rid of Facebook but I would love to get rid of Facebook. It's just that uh, if I did that right now, I'd lose half my, I mean, I would lose all my audience. And then it's, some of them would start trickling in to the new platform. But I would never recover all of everybody. And also, uh, it would I would not have people discovering me fresh like they do now on Facebook. So it's a kind of a Kind of a tricky thing. But the new platform is definitely superior to Facebook. It's just convincing people. You know, here's the thing about Facebook. People get on there to check in with their friends and their family and stuff. In the process of doing that, they interact with me on the last symptom group. When you try to go over to an entirely new platform, what you're taking away is that element that this is something that people regularly go on to every day to check in with friends and family so uh, the bent you know the side benefit of that is that they catch your group too and they participate on the group so this new platform does not have that element they're not going to go onto this platform to check in with friends and read funny memes and everything like that and it's not going to be like a regular regularly uh, re- Regularly scheduled part of their lives. If they come onto this new platform, it's spe- it's specifically to search out last symptom stuff. And because there are no other draws like seeing what Aunt Betty's up to or or your ex boyfriend from high school, it won't have the act. It just simply won't have the activity that Facebook has. So it really is kind of a a catch-22. It's a superior platform in all ways. Uh, Donna says, how do you join? Right. You know, Penny says she would have never seen this live uh, stream tonight. And I made an announcement about it earlier. So I knew when I made the announcement that, you know, half of the audience would see it. When I started the live stream, probably an entirely different half would see the notice for the live stream i ended that live stream i started a brand new live stream because i had to get the fire built up and i knew that probably an entirely new audience would see the the notice for the brand new live stream so it's just things that gotta consider so i hate using facebook i hate it i don't like having my you know i I'd, i'd be off that platform in a day if i could, but as long as it's serving uh, the purpose of growing my work and getting my message out, it would be kind of foolish of me to to just delete it. And I'm, that's not going to happen anytime soon. I don't. I don't think. Uh, it's going good. Got a better fire. Conversation has gone in uh, interesting directions. Oh yeah, good. I invited a friend. Hi, Ruth. Welcome. Is Ruth your friend, Terry? Is that the friend you invited? Now I I have to come up with something really interesting to say. Donna says, bring the guitar next time. Horson's on high alert. That's That's what I like. That's what I like. Keeping me safe. Got a job to do, and he's doing it. That's right. Ooh, there we go. There's some light. Penny says Orson's on duty. He is on duty. And that's what I love, that he intuitively knows that that's his duty. I did not have to teach him that. He just knows it. And that's why I love this breed of dog. Uh, Nora says it'd be fun if I played my guitar. You know what I've been wanting to get for the woods instead of a guitar is a, a ukulele. A ukulele I could take on excursions into the woods. It's very small, easy to pack. But I'll tell you what, Nora, I'll get everybody onto a Zoom meeting here soon. I, this is one thing I've been thinking about doing, is giving people in the group just an opportunity for us to all meet on Zoom and just kind of have some association and companionship there on Zoom. No charge, just just for fun. So if we do that, I might, depending on if I have any bourbon in me, play the guitar for those of you who are satisfied with my very uh, modest form of playing. Ruth and Nora, or harmonica. Yeah, I do play the harmonica. I play the harmonica a little bit. You love the harmonica. Any recommendations, guys? We're going to do a a toast. Anybody got a good idea for a toast? Do I take requests? Yes. I do take requests as long as they are one, you know, what you request has to be one of the ten songs that I play. (laughs) I'm kidding. I, uh, uh, I will take a request, but uh, it depends on if I can play the chords or not. Nora says, no, the Zoom idea. But yeah, Bob D- Nora, you don't want to do Zoom? Bob Dylan is my favorite on the harmonica. Jude says, to good emotional health. All right. That seems very appropriate. All right. To, to good emotional health, and because I think there's a delay, I will toast you all. I'll wait a second, and then I'll take the toast. Mmm, that was a nice snort. To health, Ruth says, to health. You do love the, the Zoom idea, or you don't like the Zoom idea? I'm not sure you're confusing me. I think I can turn my light off now. I'm trying to think if I can tell you guys a really nice story. Oh. I do have a story to tell you.
1: <clears throat>
0: Heather says, to a peaceful 2021.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Peace is sometimes over-evaluated. Uh, Campfire story. All right, so the fedora that I'm wearing here. You guys see this fedora? See the inside there? Now, you see this. That's duct tape but it's a very fine fedora. This is a very expensive hat. It's very well made. This is uh, wool, felt. But this uh, hat has a story behind it. In 2016, when I was in hospice with my mentor, Dave the the Cherokee Indian, after he died, I went back with his widow to her house, a house that I'd spent much time in as a kid. And she said, Dave wanted you to have something. And I said, what? And she pulled this hat out. And I said, what? She said, yeah, he wanted you to have this. She, She gave me a bunch of other things. But among those things was this fedora. The problem is, is that Dave had a much bigger head than I do and it didn't fit. And so this was 2016 when he died. And the hat has just been sitting on top of a a bookcase that I got kind of as a memento. And I thought, it's not right for this hat to just sit on a counter and be looked at. This hat was meant to go and do things. And and to get beat up, and to get dirty, and to live life. But there's a problem. It doesn't fit me. So one day, a couple years ago, I decided that I was going to try to take what I know about wool and adjust this hat myself so that it will fit my head. I had to go down about two full sizes. So what I did was I I stripped it. I took out the the guts of the hat. I took out the the inner band. I took out the inner lining. I took out everything. So basically what I had was um, a stripped-down shell of this hat. And then I soaked it with a water hose. Soaked it. Now, I knew doing this that there was a real possibility that I would lose this hat entirely. But when I thought of my mentor, Dave Selvage, and about what he intended when he gave me this hat, I said, he doesn't want this hat just sitting on a a bookcase. He wants this hat to to live a life. And so if I lose it in the interest of that, then that's just the way it's going to have to be. So... I soaked it with the water hose, I set it out into the sun, sun to dry, and it shrunk. And I put it on my head, and it needed to shrink a little bit more. So I soaked it again with the water hose, and it shrunk again. And this time, it fit my head perfectly. So then it was just a matter of putting the uh, the band back in, putting the lining back in, and everything, and, and that's what I did. I had to clip the the uh, the band and join it there. In my world, duct tape is the answer for everything, so I stuck some duct tape in there to join where I had clipped it. Actually, I clipped it and I took out a big section there so that it would fit the new uh, hat size, and then the the uh, the duct tape now holds that joint together but as you can see i've got everything in there it's very nice the hat is perfect fits my head perfectly so this is dave selvage my my beloved mentor's hat it's out here in the woods with me tonight it's been on other adventures with me it's a very fine fedora i love him very much i miss him very much and um uh, this is his hat so there's your story thanks Nora I think he would be happy about it I don't know if you folks have seen the picture of me at 13 sitting with Jordan and wearing a fedora next to a piano Uh, Dave Selwich took that picture and he was the one who got me interested in wearing fedoras and he was the one who got me into my love of bourbon And storytelling, believe it or not, he was the one who got me into a love of delivering a very good story. We got 10 people in here now. This is kind of nice. You know, people come, people go. We just kind of talk. It's nice. Orson just got burnt by an ember, (laughs) come out of the fire, I think. (laughs) You're right, bud. It's all right. <laughs> the burn only lasts for a second or two. I hope the art of storytelling never goes away, Penny says. Me too. It's not just telling a story, it's it's the way you deliver it. And it's not manipulative, you know. It's it's just are you are you really tuned in, are you tapped into it or not? If you're tapped into it, you'll tell it well. <laughs> That's all there is to it. If you're not tapped into it uh, then you won't tell it well but i don't like being manipulated so i don't like when people uh tell me a story and i feel like they're just uh, doing like an act you know uh even when you watch movies the great thing about an actor performing in a movie is that they are really they really feel what they're delivering to you and that's the secret to good storytelling, too. It's not a manipulation thing. It's are you really feeling, are you really tapped into the story you're telling people? That's my, that's my take on good storytelling. What a pleasure to have Brad in here tonight. Uh, you heard Brad, I think, on the first uh, part of the series of the podcast where we were talking about the Last Symptom Fundamentals course. So nice to have you here, Brad. And I heard, um, I saw a comment that you were just starting into the, kind of like the second excursion into the Last Symptom course. And I was really pleased that that comment kind of seemed to indicate that the first time you found a lot of value in it. I'm gonna go grab some wood, throw it here on the fire, and I'll, I'll be right back. You guys feel free to chat among yourselves. I'll catch up. I'll catch up when I get back. Wilson's up and looking at something back here. Yeah, he is. He and Braddy both are up and exploring the woods a little bit. I'm not worried about that. They, they they don't stray too far. But I'll tell you one thing that Braddy does. He's been doing this the whole his whole life. Is and I think I've jacked up my thumb there. Um, when we go on these uh, excursions into unknown wilderness, you know, this wilderness I know like the back of my hand but uh, when we go into unknown wilderness he always wakes up before me and I always have to try to find him because he's always off exploring uh, but typically I can whistle and call him and Uh, He comes right back. It's when they start to growl and look off into the blackness uh, that I worry. Uh, Well, I don't worry because I know that as long as they see what's out there, that I'm safe. But um, that's when I say, well, there's something out there I can't see, I can't hear, I can't sense. You know, that's, that's the amazing thing about having a nice companion dog. They, they, they can sense what is out, what you can't smell, you can't see, you can't hear, you can't, even, you, ha- you can't sense at all. Like I told you earlier, there was something out there, and I took my flashlight out, which has a lot of throw. I think it's 300, um, what, what's, it measured, what's light measured in? Throw is how it penetrates the darkness, how it penetrates the woods lumens yes terry finney you called it perfectly so i think that the flashlight that i got here with me tonight has got 300 lumens but it's got a really nice throw and the throw is what penetrates the wood so you might have a you know you know might have you might have a light that has lots of lumens but has no throw so it's very bright but it doesn't penetrate anything Um, these flashlights penetrate the woods very well I don't know if you guys can see that so if I do that that gives me a, a very nice penetrating light and it it doesn't look like it on the camera but I mean I can really see up in there if I pull this back you see that's that's 300 lumens but it, it doesn't really penetrate the woods that penetrates the woods You see Braddy right there. That's Bradbury. He's just up there kind of sniffing around, looking around. You see how if I do that, you can't even see him hardly. So, with this flashlight, I was trying to find what it was that Orson saw or could sense in the woods, and I couldn't see anything. I thought if it's a deer or something, you know, surely... I'll see the reflection of that deer's uh, eyes in the darkness. I couldn't even see anything. Couldn't see anything. As far as I could hear, the woods were completely still. But he definitely, definitely, was sensing something in the in the forest that I could not even sense. So that's why I feel so comfortable having my dogs with me in the woods. Uh, my property is kind of mountain. Mount, uh, it's, it's Appalachian Mountain property I'm on the side of a hill and right below me here is a holler uh, where there's a creek or a stream and I'm kind of on the sloping edge of the hill very hilly It's not. there's nothing flat around here where I'm at are the uh, is the Appalachian foothills. So I'm not in the Appalachian Mountains proper. I'm in the foothills of the Appalachians. But it's still Appalachian country. It's still mountain, mountain people country. Holler. Uh, hollow, I think. It's freezing, yes. It's literally freezing. I don't have a tent but I have a tarp and I thought what I would do is pitch that tarp now you can't see my hands because I got these wool gloves on but what I thought I'd do is right here behind me there are two trees and what I'm thinking about doing is stringing up a a line across between those two trees and then uh, hanging that tarp over over that line kind of like a like this, so it'll have a back and a roof, and I'll tie those out and sleep very well. If there weren't a risk of snow, I wouldn't pitch anything at all. I would just sleep right right here, like literally right here. And Anytime the sky is overcast, you don't know what will happen. And the last thing you want to do is wake up from a deep sleep at 4 o'clock in the morning, scrambling to get something over your head. (sighs) My fire's going real good right now. I'll tell you what, I kind of lucked out tonight. Um, You see that big firewood there on top? top? Uh, When I got out here tonight, uh, I saw that a tree had fallen down. A A tree had collapsed. And... Um, uh, apparently, I'm assuming my dad uh, chopped, or uh, came out here with a chainsaw and cut that up kind of keep uh, the path, hey, 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 careful there, uh, to keep the path clear. And so, uh, this wood here, big old chunks of cut, bratty, come on now. Knocked my candle off. So big old cut pieces of firewood, just right right up the hill here, that I think my father uh, came down and cut with a, uh, a chainsaw. Under normal circumstances, I'd be out here like feeding this fire all the time, and tonight uh, I've I've been kind of lucky because I found that that uh, big meaty logs of firewood that, that I'm assuming my father my father come out here and cut up with a chainsaw. And I started to tell you guys earlier, I haven't been out here in four years. And the reason for that is because you know, my mom and dad live just, you know, like two miles up that way through the woods. And you say, well, two miles is a long way. Well, it's not if you're mountain people because my dad is out here all the time. He just comes through the woods, and, you know, you think about how intimately I know these woods. My father knows these woods as intimately. (laughs) He lives out here. So even though this section of the woods is mine, I'm sure my, my father's feet have walked across this property many, many times. Lucia. Is do I pronounce it Lucia or Lucia? I'll tell you the real drawback to this live stuff is the delay. Like I'm talking, I'm telling a story, and then five minutes later, the uh, the reactions to that story and the the conversations about that story start to come in. See, yeah, this this whole conversation I just had about firewood now now the conversations are starting to come in about that lucha lucha i like that lucha lucha orson holy goodness you guys can can we not find some harmony here so that we can all be comfortable good boy good boy orson calm down i'll tell you orson He's moving 90 miles an hour all the time, and Brady and I we're settled and we're kind of laid laid back. That is not Orson. He is he is a rocket ship, and it's just kind of like trying to take that energy and, and tame it a little bit. It's good for me. It's good for me to to try to find ways to. Uh, balance out everything between us, between the three of us. Raiden says the delay is to prevent people from knowing exactly where the live streamer is at the exact moment.
1: Hmm.
0: Not sure that I like tech companies doing my thinking and deciding about my life for me, but it's their platform. Lucia. Hi, excited to be here. First join. Any kind of online discussion? This is the first time I've ever done any kind of uh, live stream. Truly. Tonight is the first time I've ever tried to do any kind of live stream at all. So, brand new for me. Uh, Terry uh, says that her dog is like horse and never-ending energy. Yeah. Hi, Danica. It, It is peaceful. That's why I come out here. Uh, Raiden says it's to prevent stream sniping or stalking. I love your attitude about it. Yeah, I I would rather I'd rather make decisions for my own life. I don't like other people make you know assuming responsibility for me. Hi, Danica. So good to have you here. ¿Hablas Español? I was talking in Spanish earlier. I was kind of showing off. I was kind of showing off. But really, the whole conversation that I had was about not wanting to lose my Spanish. And antes, cuando yo trabajaba como intérprete, yo trabajaba todos los días hablando más en Español que en Inglés. Y ahora, haciendo este trabajo, no hablo tanto en español como antes. Lex Friedman. Uh, don't know who that is. Anybody can interview me. But I'll tell you what, Lucha. Lex Friedman would have to freeze his balls off out here in the woods with me if he wants an interview with Brian Barnett. That I can tell you. Got be next to a fire, sleeping in the dirt. Terry dice que entiende. Había una mujer, entrada en años, que se corta el pelo con la idea de lucir más joven. Y luego, no está tan segura de los resultados. Y busca apoyo emocional de su marido. Le dice... Uh, querido, ¿es cierto que con el pelo corto ya no tengo la, el aspecto de una vieja? Y él responde que, que sí, que ahora tienes el aspecto de un viejo. But hey, Rayden, what is stream sniping? Do you hear Braddy uh, moaning in pleasure? He does that when when he's getting love, he, ooh, ooh, ah, ee. That's another thing about Braddy that Orson has not developed yet, is that um, when I wanna go into the woods, I say to Braddy, hey, you wanna go on a ride? And he goes, what? And he flips out, and he's just the happiest thing in the world. If I go to uh, Orson, I go, hey Orson, Want to go on a ride? He goes, huh? So it's a little bit of difference. Uh, Raiden says, uh, "Stream sniping is a term people use when someone is playing a video game and live streaming it, and the viewers try to fuck." Oh.
1: <laughs>
0: oh man that's really funny.
1: <laughs> oh but...
0: so much just the nature of people you know oh man that's funny he says stream sniping is when people are playing a video game right so they're in the video game and they're live streaming themselves playing the video game
1: funny and so people watching the thing <laughs>
0: uh, they all go in they all go into the game and they go find
1: this guy <laughs> and they kill him <laughs> me up oh
0: man oh the nature of people that just crack me up oh man that's funny that is really funny <laughs> holy mackerel I gotta catch up now here uh, Lucia says you deserve to have more exposure and I just thought a Joe Rogan or Lex I don't know who Lex Friedman is I know who Joe rog- Rogan is uh, would be awesome. It's just my way of expressing my appreciation. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Uh, I've got several people trying to get me to do uh, TED talks, and um, I'm not sure that's that's my thing. But <clears throat> uh, anything's possible, you know. I'm not I'm not totally against it. it it's just. I'm not sure the establishment, because, you know, I kind of exist outside the establishment. I'm not sure anything establishment is uh, is my natural approach to things. But um, Joe Rogan would be awesome. You know, if I got an invitation to do something like that, I would probably do something like that. Danica says, I took my son's knife. <laughs> she took her son's knife. <laughs> Well, when we do that, we, we abandon a person out in the middle of the woods. So I hope your uh, method of snipe hunting is a little bit different than ours. Uh, Jude says, your thing is talking to people about emotional health. Yeah. Right. Peel on to them in any way that I can. Raiden says, if I disappear, it's because my phone died, but I'll join back soon after. All right, Raiden. Thanks for the the laugh. Of- Here's the fire, folks. Heather says, I looked a lot like Harrison Ford in that previous light. we got to go back to that. Now I look like Brian Barnett again.
1: God darn it.
0: And Danica says, have you read any good books lately? Yes, I have. Tracy Stoppler, The Ropes That Bind. And I'm currently reading uh, a really great book called uh, Skeletons on the Sahara, which is just fascinating about It's a true-life story of survival in the Sahara Desert, but not just in the Sahara Desert. It also deals with um, sailing, like in the 18th century or the 19th century, and they sail out of Boston. And so you get, like, this great um, insight into what sailing was like in those days and everything. And and then eventually they end up in the Sahara Desert, and then they have to all survive in the Sahara Desert. Raiden says that I always look like Bradley Cooper. Do you know that I um, ran into Bradley Cooper? There was a International House of Pancakes, an IHOP, uh, as it's called, in uh, Jenkintown, Pennsylvania, where when I would have a lover over. The next morning, I'd get up, and I'd take the lover down to this local IHOP in Jenkintown. And one morning, we walked down there, (laughs) uh, whoever I was with at the time, and I was all ready for my eggs sunny side up and my bacon and my pancakes and all that stuff. And there was this great crowd out in front of this IHOP that I always went to. And I asked somebody, what's going on in there? And I mean, I hadn't combed my hair. I was—I just thrown on some the clothes right off off the floor that I was wearing that that not the night before. Um, so I was really not in a position to be filmed on TV or anything like that. And he said Bradley Cooper's in there. He was there filming. I'm trying to think what that movie was called. I own it, but I can't think of what it was called. It's about—it's about emotional disorder. But it's all filmed in Philadelphia and everything. And he was having breakfast with, in my booth. In my booth. So I looked through the window, and I saw Bradley Cooper there, and I saw Renee Zellweger. And I looked at the girl I was with, and I said, you know what? I know of another diner that's just right up the street. Let's let's go there. So we went up there because I, I I just didn't want to be on TV with with my hair all messed up and me looking like I was, I mean, because it was a long night. It was a long night that she and I had. I did not have a lot of sleep under my belt that morning. So I wasn't really keen on being on the nightly Philadelphia news. And who can compete with Bradley Cooper? That's another thing. Why would you take your girlfriend, why would you take your lover into where Bradley Cooper is when you're just Brian Barnett. Silver Linings Playbook. Yes, Raiden, that's the one I'm talking about. So it was while he was filming Silver Linings Playbook. He's from there. Uh, That's where he's from. So that's why he took her there. He was showing her like all of his old stomping grounds. And I like him, I like him a lot. And I've seen interviews with him and I think he's very modest. I think he's very genuine, and so to be compared to Bradley Cooper is a, a very nice thing. Yeah, Jennifer Lawrence. No, no, no. Oh, okay. So, so yes, you're right, Heather. Jennifer Lawrence was the girl in the movie, but at the time, he was he was dating uh, the other girl that I mentioned, um, Renee Zellweger. So while he was filming *Silver Linings Playbook*, he was in a relationship with Renee Zellweger. and it was Renee Zellweger who was in the ihop with him that morning, not Jennifer Lawrence. The town where I spent my you know when I come out of divorce, I was I wasn't even divorced. I was just I was just living on my own. but I went from Hatboro, Pennsylvania, to Jenkintown because uh, every day I drove through Jenkintown on my way to work. And I love that little town. There was uh, several little pubs and bars and restaurants and art supply stores, and it's just a nice little town there uh, in Philadelphia. I mean, basically it's all Philadelphia. So when, my, uh, when Diana asked me to move out, the first thing I thought of was Jenkintown. I'm going to move to Jenkintown. I'll be closer to work, but I'll still be close to my home. I'll be close to my wife. Uh, but Jenkintown's where I want to go. And it just so happened to be where Bradley Cooper is from. A lot of good memories of Jenkintown. As an actor, I've seen him like on the uh, inside the actor's studio. And I say, this This guy, this is not like a pompous Hollywood actor. This is a guy who keeps his, you know, the evaluation of himself in check and in healthy balance. And, uh, man, he just really won me over with that, with that interview. He even cried during that. Here's what I remember about that. He cried during that interview because... He was talking about how when he was trying to get into acting, he could not get past his nerves. He could not get past, like, the self-consciousness. Who of us cannot identify with that? I mean, when I talk to you guys on this camera right here, I can not, in the beginning, get past this sense of self-consciousness. Um it's when I, you know, work my way into it that finally that kind of uh, fades away. And here he was on Inside the Actor's Studio admitting that, and he talked about an instructor that he had who gave him some advice that allowed him to completely relax and, and fall into the roles or the characters that he's playing. And I... I really liked that honesty. I really liked that honesty. To me, that was just very, very attractive, and uh, my opinion of him just just went real high after that. So I, I have a very high opinion of him, and it's it's. Uh, I don't think I look like Bradley Cooper, and I've never had anybody say I look like Bradley Cooper until Raiden just rec- uh, suggested it. But um, I'll tell you what, n- I'm not complaining. No, Penny, I don't ever zip two bags together because I've never had two dogs before. It's always been me and Brady. So, Danica says, I'm 37, I live in Akron. Been following you for a while now. Your podcast has made a huge impact on my life, and I'm very grateful. I'm not very active on the Facebook group. Tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna finish this up. I'm gonna say goodnight. Uh we'll lay here and stare into the fire for a little bit. Caveman TV, we call it. And I'm gonna let you guys go to bed. Alright. So you folks have a wonderful evening. It's been it's been real fun. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.